Welcome back for episode two of Decoding Dating. In our last segment, we talked about the evolution of dating over the years and how dating apps are changing the game. Today, we'll talk about how the apps are shaping our behavior and magnifying our biases. Before we get into the psychology of swiping, can you talk about why this matters? Yeah, so, you know, your choice of partner is a big decision that shapes almost every facet of your life, your happiness, your quality of life. So who you choose to be with and who you choose not to be with really matters. And I also want to name the huge impact that our choice as a partner and potential mate has on society and the distribution of power. Who we marry shapes how we accrue wealth, who it gets passed on to, and what our communities end up looking like. Well, let's be honest, Emmy. We're all looking for love, but love doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah, exactly. And neither does attraction. Who we like is very much shaped by culture, by representation of beauty, and of relationships. And unfortunately, it's also shaped by government actions. In the U.S., we have a long and deep history of systematic divisions in society, from redlining of neighborhoods to school segregation. And in terms of representation, interracial marriage was outlawed until 1967. Same-sex marriage wasn't assured by the Supreme Court until 2015. So yes, representation is changing, but this is all still pretty recent. Um, And so we all have unconscious biases, and they may be more likely to come out in dating because attraction is just so personal and private. So just like the past, we are likely to follow what's called assortative mating, choosing partners within our own race. As of 2015, only 10% of American marriages are interracial. So... 90% of American marriages are racially insular. That's crazy. Now that so many people are turning to apps to find romance, how has the experience of dating changed? Well, we don't really understand all the ways that seeing our potential dates through a phone can shape our desire. Um, But I want to share one example. So there was a study at Kwantlen Polytechnic University in Canada that showed that even something as small as battery level on your phone screen can change your response to a potential partner. So in the study, um, those shown a screenshot of a conversation with a low battery on the screen were more likely to go to agree to go meet and hook up with this person um, in the chat. And so, you know, their interpretation is that the low battery maybe puts the user in a scarcity mindset um, and is really changing their psychology. Wow. So phones themselves are actually changing the way we think and interact with people. Yes, absolutely. And the apps make dating into essentially a marketplace where we are all commodities. We're all curating ourselves and choosing others based on these characteristics that we define as desirable. Without the real experience of in-person chemistry or attraction, desire ends up being reduced to these characteristics that we can see and that we know we like. I can see how that would become repetitive. Yeah, our choices are pretty predictable. Since each person we see on the app is either a yes or a no, there's a lot less room for nuance in our preferences. That certainly makes a lot of sense. So how else do the apps change or shape who we see as desirable? Well, some apps have some component of compatibility built into their matchmaking, and it turns out this plays a big role in our experience. 
OkCupid is one that gives users a compatibility score based on a questionnaire you fill out by your preferences. In a study, they found that if they switched the compatibility scores between two potential matches, one is 30% compatible, the other 90% compatible, if they switched those numbers and the test subject went on a date with both, she would prefer the date with the one she was told was highly compatible, but wasn't. So the takeaway is that our perception and expectation of compatibility is the strongest predictor of a successful date, more so than actual compatibility, or at least compatibility as measured by the app. So the way apps present people really matters. Yeah, exactly. Basically, the apps could be wrong about who we're highly compatible with and about who the algorithm should feed us as matches. They likely are wrong. They are algorithms, and they can't understand what makes humans truly compatible. But we listen to the apps. We get a serotonin hit when we get a match, a banner or a notification pops up, and it feels like you're playing a game and you've won. Oh, definitely. Like, we might know logically that one match is a result of a mutual superficial judgment between strangers. But psychologically, it's definitely activating that reward system every time. Yes. We get all these matches and it feels so good. And in fact, from my personal experience, I think one of the hardest parts about dating through the apps is trying to balance your excitement for each new match with your existing ones. It's a counterintuitive problem, but the seemingly endless options make it hard to stay excited about one person. It's the paradox of choice, the fact that we're more likely to make a choice and be satisfied with it when we're actually given fewer choices. And so many apps, they know this and they try to correct for it. That's why they employ these filtering algorithms, which decrease the number of users you see and can interact with. So wait, let me get this straight. The apps aren't necessarily introducing you to, say, all the single people in your city? No. I mean, what's interesting is apps do have the potential to introduce us to people outside of social spheres, you know, meeting someone you wouldn't meet through a friend or at your neighborhood bar. That's what can make them so appealing. You have this potential to meet someone brand new. But the data show that instead, dating apps tend to reinforce social and racial stratifications. Um, So from all users on dating apps, white users are by far the most likely to receive messages and responses. Um, And on the other end, black women and Asian men are the least likely to receive messages. Um, Another way to see this kind of division Black men and women are 10 times more likely to message a white person than the other way around. So are dating apps actually making societal divisions worse? Well, it sort of seems like it. Dating app algorithms, many of them, use collaborative filtering to show us potential matches, which sort of mirror the echo chambers we see in media. They show us the content we are most likely to engage with, or in this case, the person we're most likely to swipe right on. So really quickly, what is collaborative filtering? Basically means filtering based on aggregate user behavior. So options or recommendations appear based on similar users' preferences. So 
with the example of Netflix, if you and I watch a lot of the same movies, I'll see additional recommendations based on other movies you've seen and liked. And on a dating app, I'll see potential matches who users who are like me have swiped right on. Wait, so doesn't that mean a lot of users are essentially saying the same potential matches? Yeah, it really ends up limiting your pool of matches. As you swipe and the algorithm records your behavior, your options are shaped more and more by the characteristics you look for. And of course, the ones you don't know you're looking for, your unconscious biases. The algorithms don't need to know the race or other characteristics of the users to sort them based on these interactions. Um, and then whatever biases or preferences you bring to the app are amplified through this feedback loop as you continue to use it and swipe. So if you consistently see people of your own race, you'll end up matching with more people from your own race, then resulting in more recommendations of people from your own race. Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see how that could be an issue. So I guess what could these apps do differently to help mitigate biases and increase the diversity in matches? Well, to answer that, I want to talk about an app called Monster Match. Um, it's an app designed to look like a dating app, um, but with a different purpose. So if you sign into Monster Match, you can create an avatar of a monster, and there'll be other avatars, um, monsters on the app, and you can swipe through just like a dating app. But what Monster Match does is it makes the screening or the filtering that's happening as you swipe visible to you as a user. So you can see how each swipe is um, impacting your potential pool. So the idea coming out of Monster Match is that if users could see this filtering happening, they might choose to opt out. So maybe an app could give you the option to at some point, you know, opt out of this filtered algorithm and just see random users. Maybe there would be an option to just have a reset button. So after you've been swiping for some time and you notice your users are looking very similar, you might want to just reset and start from scratch. Um, or, of course, apps could just explicitly introduce diverse results, showing random users or showing users who are different from the ones you usually see. So what I'm hearing is if apps were really committed to helping users diversify their potential matches and help us override our implicit biases, there's definitely steps they could take. Yes, exactly. Well, that's it for this segment. Next episode is going to be a tougher one. We're going to be talking about how the apps exacerbate incidences of sexual violence. It's a really important topic, and Zach is going to be leading us through it. Thanks so much for listening, everyone.